Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome back to the Dershow. If you've been watching the media, you see that um, Israel today apparently killed one of the leaders of Hamas and several of his uh, deputies, people who were directly responsible for the rapes and the beheadings and the kidnappings and the murders of October 7th. But uh, because um, these terrorists, these Hamas leaders, were deliberately hiding in a refugee camp, uh, which was over some tunnels where Hamas leadership lived, there were some obviously collateral injuries and death. Um, The tunnel collapsed. Um, and uh, probably some Hamas people in the tunnel uh, were killed. Uh, But of course, because there were um, some civilian casualties, we'll we'll talk in a minute whether there really were civilians, whether there were some casualties which Hamas calls civilians, the world will react uh, terribly. First, let me be very clear that uh, all of this was permissible under international law. Under international law, the concept of proportionality is that the value of the target in this case, the leader of uh, Hamas terrorists and some of his associates, the value of the target must be proportional to the number of people who were anticipated might be injured or killed as as collateral damage. First, let's understand what this uh, refugee camp is. This refugee camp is the center of Hamas. It's where Hamas really essentially uh, um, developed. And many of the people in this refugee camp are strong, strong Hamas uh, supporters. Um, uh, So, you know, they may be technically civilians, but let me ask you this question. There's a tape recording of one of the Hamas butchers calling his parents. um, I haven't heard the tape recording, but I'm told that it's it's accurate and true. And uh, on, on the recording, he says to his father, I killed 10 Jews with my bare hands. I killed women, I killed children with my bare hands. And the father, the civilian father, the civilian says, oh, good, thank God, I'm so glad you killed all those people. You know, he may be a civilian, but hey, I ain't shedding any tears for him if he comes becomes collateral damage. I suspect that of the, who knows, a dozen, maybe more people who were killed in this refugee camp, I suspect a lot of them fit into that category. Strong Hamas supporters giving aid to the enemies, hiding them, allowing them to hide among civilians, allowing themselves to be used as human shields. Are they civilians? Well, you know, maybe they're not combatants, but they sure as hell aren't the kinds of three-year-olds and four-year-olds that Hamas loves to parade in front of television cameras. Now, some of the people killed may have been three or four-year-olds, and they are indeed innocent civilians, but they are the responsibility of Hamas. Israel gave them three weeks to leave this refugee camp, sent out leaflets, made all kinds of other communications, said, leave, go south. We're not attacking south. We're attacking only the north. Leave this refugee camp and, and and basically the response was no we're going to keep hiding our Hamas leaders and Israel said no we're not going to let you hide your Hamas leaders we're coming after you this is total war the United States didn't 
when they went after Al-Qaeda, when they went after uh, ISIS, when they went, went after Osama bin Laden, they didn't give warnings. Um, they killed not only Osama bin Laden, who was apparently prepared to surrender, but the instructions from the uh, um, uh, Obama administration was don't take him alive, kill him, which is a violation, of course, of international law. But, but no other country gives warnings. Uh, Israel gives warnings. But in the end, it has the right to kill combatants. It has the right to kill the head of Hamas in, in central Gaza. And hopefully it did so. Um, and that was good. And uh, if civilians died, that's the fault of Hamas. Let's be very, very, very clear about that. Let's assume Hamas is correct. And uh, 7,000 people, 6,000 people have been killed. Probably two-thirds of them are not civilians. But let's assume 1,000 or 2,000 real civilians were killed. How does that compare to what the United States did after 9-11? After 9-11, after the United States went into Iraq. We went into Afghanistan. Hundreds of thousands of civilians died. In Iraq alone, the estimate is between 270 and 330 civilians died. Did we see demonstrations in the street? Did we see students marching? Did we see these kinds of attacks at the United Nations? No. The United States had a job to do. It had to get rid of ISIS. It had to get rid of Al-Qaeda. And it did. And civilians paid the price. But it was a war. And remember, too, that the United States was going after Al-Qaeda and civilians who were thousands of miles away from our border. They didn't pose an immediate danger. Israel is going after terrorists that live two miles, three miles away from Stayrot. And we saw what happened. They just climbed over and through fences and, and killed all those people. Israel surely has the right to define its proportionality in the way that Britain did in fighting in Iraq and Afghanistan and the way the United States did. This is not to in any way, point a finger at America or Britain. They did the right thing. When you declare war on a country, civilians will die, and the people who declared war are responsible. When Germany declared war in the United States, technically the United States declared war in Germany, but we know what the truth was. And when Japan uh, bombed Pearl Harbor, they knew that they were endangering the lives of their own civilians. And millions, millions of civilians died in the Second World War. And the United States and Great Britain killed a great many of them. Uh, great Britain and the United States firebombed Dresden. No warnings, no warnings. Firebombed Dresden. Killed thousands and thousands of civilians. The United States firebombed Tokyo. Uh, there were more people, I think, killed in the firebombing of Tokyo than in the nuclear attack on Nagasaki and, and Hiroshima. In any event, Hundreds of thousands were killed, uh, civilians. When you declare war in a country, when you declare all-out war, civilians unfortunately pay the price. And that's why civilians should have some something to do with whether or not Hamas um, engages in this kind of conduct. Remember that the citizens of Gaza, these innocent civilians who uh, so many people are shedding tears about, they voted for Hamas in the last election, um, and they would probably vote for Hamas today. The reason that there are no elections in the West Bank, we're not talking about the Gaza, is that the Palestinian Authority, led by Mohammed Abbas, who hasn't had a vote in what how many years, uh, knows who would win the election. 
Hamas would win the election. So, yeah, they're non-combatants, they're, 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 they're civilians, but they're supporters of Hamas. Whereas the people who were killed in, uh, in Israel, many of them were not supporters of Netanyahu. Many of them represented kind of left-wing kibbutzniks, peace activists, people who were opposed to the Netanyahu government, people who wanted a two-state solution, people who were opposed to the settlements, people who were opposed to the occupation, um, and they were killed. Um, and, and, and so when you look at these civilian deaths, you have to ask yourself a question. How many of them really, really, really are uh, civilians? When you have a refugee camp, and why is there a refugee camp? These are refugees from the 1948 war. In other words, in 1948, uh, if they were 10 years old, uh, they're my age, 85 years old. If they were 20 years old, they're dead. Uh, these are refugees from the 1948 camp, and they have been stuck in refugee camps. They're not refugee camps. Let's face reality. They're cities. They just call them refugee camps to create the impression that these are poor, starving people. Um, you know, Gaza could have been could have been Singapore in the Mediterranean. It could have been Hong Kong. It could have been a beautiful, beautiful city on the Mediterranean Sea. It had all the resources. Europe was pouring money into it. Uh, the Israelis that left in 2005 left behind behind farm implements and uh, and uh, hothouses. Uh, they unburied their dead to make sure that there wasn't a single Israeli anywhere in the Gaza. That's the occupation that people are objecting to in Gaza. Not even a single dead body of a Jew, except for those who have been killed by Hamas, remained in 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 the Gaza in the Gaza Strip. So, you know, you're hearing a lot of mythology, a lot of mythology, particularly from these misinformed students uh, who are marching, these Hitler youth. And I call them Hitler youth because people say, uh, oh, well, they're only kids. Yeah, kids were the ones who burned books that eventually led to the burning of Jews in Munich at the university. Kids were the ones who emphasized that Stalin should be sending people to the gulag. Students were the ones who... Uh, were most active in bringing the Ayatollahs to power. Uh, students have caused more bloodshed probably than almost any other category of people. So don't give me this crap. I taught students for 50 years. I know who they are. I've looked them in the eye. They're adults. Uh, and not all of them are 18. Uh, when I started teaching, I was uh, 25 and I had students older than me. Um, and if they're caught plagiarizing, they're held responsible. They don't, oh, I didn't know what I was signing. That's what some of these students are saying now. And let me tell you what I fear uh, the most. I think these students, these people who are marching against Israel, are really marching against the United States as well. The head of the FBI today talked about and testified that there might be attacks in the United States, which will obviously require us to look hard on border controls and whether or not we're doing the right thing in, in how we bring people into the country without sufficient vetting. What I'm worried about is that these kids, these miserable, ignorant, racist kids, these bigots uh, who aren't wearing swastikas, uh, instead they're wearing, you know, green headbands uh, representing the modern day Nazis, Hamas, these miserable kids um, could form a, a fifth column. If we had terrorism in the United States, some of these kids would join the terrorists. Some of these kids would volunteer to become part of the terrorist movement. Some of these kids would provide information to the terrorists, you know, that 
Israel allowed 5,000 people from Gaza, maybe more, every day to work in Israel and earn very large salaries compared to what they would get in Gaza. And a lot of those people turned out to be Hamas spies. They were working for Israelis and they were telling Hamas where these Israelis lived, how many children they had, where to find them, what the vulnerabilities were, what the weak spots are. A fifth column. And I'm afraid we're going to have some of that here. I just went today walking down Lexington Avenue and I passed by Hunter. I have to tell you, I felt very uncomfortable walking by Hunter. Hunter College, one of the New York City colleges. I saw kids with these uh, Palestinian flags and buttons. And uh, I wear, uh, when I walk around New York, I wear a button that says I support Israel. And when I wear a tie, I wear a tie that says Chai, which means life, or Am Yisrael Chai, I have another tie. The Jewish people live. And, and I was a little nervous. And I looked at these kids from Hunter College, and I thought of myself. I went to Brooklyn College, uh, 60, uh, 70, <laughs> 70 years ago almost. And, and I'm looking at these kids, and I'm saying, some of these kids would support terrorism against the United States. If there were a terrorist attack on the United States, some of these kids from Hunter College, from Harvard College, from the University of Pennsylvania, from Stanford, would join, would join the terrorists. I know some of these kids. I know one young woman who would join these terrorists, and she is the daughter of a friend of mine. I've known her since she's a, a child. And she is on the side of Hamas. And if you're on the side of Hamas and there's attack against the United States, who are you going to join? Which side? Which side are you on when it comes to Hamas versus the United States? I have to tell you, scratch, scratch an anti-Zionist, scratch an anti-Semite, and you find an anti-American, somebody who's anti-Judeo-Christian values, somebody who's anti Western values. So I think we have enemies in our midst. I think we have people in our colleges today who would turn against us in a crisis if there were a terrorist attack, not like 9-11, obviously that happened very suddenly. But if there were to be, you know, a terrorist takeover of a school of some kind, like there was in Ma'alot in Israel, where I don't remember, 34 kindergarten kids and, and first graders were murdered. And um, uh, this was before these students, they would have supported the murders of 34 Jewish students, I'm sure, as they supported the beheadings and rapes of these other cases. But uh, we can have that happen in the United States. We already have so much gun violence. I can just imagine how easy it would be for, for terrorists uh, under the auspices of Hamas or inspired by Hamas, inspired, you know, terrorists are inspired by success. And the world is turning Hamas's brutality on October 7th into a success. Remember again, most of the anti-Semitism, most of the accusations against Israel from the National Lawyers Guild, from the 33 Harvard groups, from Jewish Voice for Peace, from all these radical extremist groups. By the way, don't, don't misunderstand the Jewish Voice for Peace. It's not Jewish. It's uh, a hard, hard, hard left anti-Jewish. Um, a group that pretends that it's Jewish and uses the, the word Jewish to hide its anti-Semitism and bigotry. But, um, but uh, th those were groups that, that admired, supported. Norman Finkelstein said it, it, it caused a glow in his heart when he saw these rapes and these beheadings and these murders. This is before Israel fired a single shot. So don't, don't let them mislead you into thinking that this increased anti-Semitism, which the head of the 
uh, um, FBI today talked about, you know, Jews represent 2.4% of the population, tiny, tiny fraction, and 60% of the hate crimes are directed against Jews. And don't talk to me about anti-Muslim and anti-Arab attacks. They don't exist. They are statistically insignificant. Yes, one landlord who was probably drunk and mentally ill killed a six-year-old. And yes, I have great sympathy for him. But don't equate that to the systemic anti-Semitism that we see in colleges and universities today. Yes, Harvard University has a problem of systemic anti-Semitism. Harvard is not systemically racist. It is systemically anti-racist when it comes to African-Americans and other minorities. It is systemically anti-Semitic. It started that way under President Lowell in the 1910s and 1920s. There was a period of a lull uh, when it didn't happen, and they're back to systemic anti-Semitism running through the university. And it runs through the Office of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. DEI has been one of the worst things that has ever happened to universities today as the result of the death of one man, George Floyd, filled with drugs, who may very well have died anyway, not to excuse what the police did to him, was inexcusable, causes a major reckoning at all the universities, all the media companies, Hollywood, media, you name it. Everybody changes everything. Curricula has changed. DEI offices are built all over the country. It was a full employment program for racists. Um, these were minority racists uh, who, who, who hate Jews. And for them, diversity, equity, and inclusion means lack of intellectual diversity, lack of equality, and exclusion, exclusion of Jews. And when you think about what it did in terms of intersectionality, I just saw today a student wrote to me from Rutgers University where he's being pilloried and being investigated um, because he complained about a, um, a tweet that was sent out by some students claiming for Palestine, saying, oh, oh Israel staged the whole event uh, on, on October 7th. There were no killings. There were no rapes. There were no beheadings. Israel staged the whole event to get sympathy. And this student responded. And the student who wrote about being staged, nothing happened to him. He's a complainant. He is fine. But the student who wrote against him is being accused of doxing, is being accused of uh, harassment and is being threatened with expulsion from the school. And when the student tried to bring in a lawyer, no. When he tried to bring in an advisor saying, no, you can't bring in this advisor because this advisor is Jewish and he's in, involved in the Jewish whatever program. So that would be offensive to the Palestinian students. What is going on at Rutgers University? What is going on at Harvard? I'll tell you what's going on at Harvard. The president of Harvard has now issued four statements. Why? Because Every one of them um, was in response not to what she felt in her heart. I know her. I don't know well, but I know her. I like her as a person. But, uh, but as a result of alumni saying, no, we're not giving you any more money. We're cutting off the Wexner program, which gave tens of millions of dollars to Harvard. No, we're cutting off gifts to these schools. So these presidents keep sending out one after the other. All right, you didn't like my first statement. And you won't give me any money. I'll do a second statement. Will you send me money now? No. All right. I'll do a third statement. Now will you send me money? All right. What do you want me to say? I'll say it. 
So they issue a fourth statement. Now will you give me money? No, no, no. Don't give them a damn penny until they have a reckoning, until they look at what's happening at Harvard campuses and other campuses under the auspices of diversity and inclusion and equity. Look hard at yourself. Look at the mirror and look to see how many people from those programs are the ones who signed these horrible anti-Semitic uh, statements. Because remember, inclusion has a meaning at universities. No Jews allowed. That's what it means. Look at what happened at Berkeley. Under the concept of inclusion, a bunch of clubs at Berkeley, University of California Law School, a public institution, issued and amended their constitutions and prohibited any Zionist which means anybody who believes in the right to Israel to exist, any person who believes in Israel, including the dean of the law school, prohibits them from speaking at any of these public institutions paid for by taxpayers. That's diversity. That's equity. That's inclusion. Yeah, it is under the definition of diversity, equity, and inclusion used by the equity diversion and inclusion a mafia. Uh, fortunes are being spent on these programs and they're backfiring. They're causing exclusion. They're causing the lack of equality and they're causing the lack of diversity. One of the reasons the woke generation is so against Jews is that Jews in general, not the only groups, but many Jews and many other groups as well, but many Jews favor, favor meritocracy. Uh, they say, look, we worked very hard to get where we were. We're not privileged. Our grandparents came here. Our parents came here without a nickel. We worked hard um, and, and, and we made it. And that's exactly the opposite of what woke wants. They don't want meritocracy. They don't want people to be rewarded for hard work or for, for, for intelligence. They want people to be rewarded based on their identity, who you are, what you are in terms of your racial identity, your ethnic identity, your sexual preference identity. That's what D, I, I can't even say the words that get me so angry, um, uh, uh, DEI is all about. It's about the end of meritocracy and the substitution of identity politics. And I've written books about that, that subject um, as well. And I'm going to continue to write books. My new book, I hope you'll all get. Oh, by the way, thank you, because I know a lot of you did order the book, pre-order it from... Amazon, and it's now um, on the bestseller list in Amazon, even though it hasn't been published yet. It's it's number one in Jewish books and number two or three in, in Middle East politics. You know, it's not up there at the top. The book isn't out yet, but I think putting that book on the bestseller list, and by the way, I'm donating all the royalties to uh, pro-Israel charities, um, um, uh, so I'm not making a nickel off any of it, but um, if you if you buy that book in advance, um, I really do think it sends a message to the haters that there are people listening. Look, I've been canceled. I can't talk about Israel at the 92nd Street. Why? I can't talk about Israel at the Ramaz High School. I can't talk about Israel at Temple Emmanuel. That's why I write books, because nobody can stop me from writing books. And you are my audience of the books. And nobody from the 92nd Street Y can tell you not to buy my book. So if you're opposed to my cancellation and support my views, please uh, order the war against the Jews in advance. By the way, when I first started to write the book, 
there was a suggestion that, no, it's not a war against the Jews. Remember, this was on October 7th. It's the war against Israel. And I said, no, this is a worldwide war against the Jews. And it's also against Americans. And it's also against Judeo-Christian values. So I'm glad I entitled the book War Against the Jews, because that's what we're seeing all over the world, whether it's in Russia when they tried to rush the uh, airport to try to get at Jews, uh, whether it's in uh, places like uh, Cornell University, whether it's in China, where we're seeing a lot more anti-Semitic uh, tropes um, uh, on, on their state-controlled uh, internet. Yeah, it's a war against the Jews. Okay, let's get some letters. Okay. Uh, I do not want any protests to be stopped. You're either for free speech or you're not. I would rather know what their thoughts are out loud than for them to hide and keep it behind closed doors. I agree completely. I don't want to stop any protest. You have the right to say what you want about Israel. I just want to know your name. I want to know who you're working for. I want to know to make sure because I don't want to work. I don't want to buy any items from a firm or hire any lawyers from a firm who hires uh, people who support rapists or or beheaders. Professor, if a court in Colorado rules that Trump cannot be on the 2024 ballot based on the 14th Amendment, would a higher court overturn that ruling? Absolutely. I, I make predictions. They're mostly correct. I really make this prediction with a great degree of certainty and firmness. If any court rules that Trump is off the ballot, um, the Supreme Court, or maybe the courts below the Supreme Court, but certainly the Supreme Court will reverse that. He will be on the ballot. I have a constitutional right to vote against him on the merits. You have a constitutional right to vote for him on the merits. Let the election be decided by the people, not by the secretaries of state in a half a dozen purple states. Okay. Um, I am truly stunned by the pervasiveness of anti-Semitism that has suddenly reared its ugly head in the Western world. But I'm also flabbergasted at the wholesale adoption of the same propaganda I first saw in historical accounts of the rise of Nazism in Germany. It's almost exactly the same posters, the same tropes. You're right. I mean, that thing about clean, clean the world. That was one of the major things. The world, Jews are dirty. You got to clean the world. We want a clean world. Clean it of Jews. That's where ethnic cleansing uh, comes from. The same tropes, the same accusations. It's truly sobering, frightening, and so depressing all at once. Okay. This is a mistake. The Balfour Declaration was Britain's fault. You cannot give away someone else's land. See how we're paying for that tragedy? It was never anyone else's land. It was, you know, it was Eretz Yisrael, the land of Israel. It, it's in the Bible. Uh, it's historically correct. We see from all kinds of archaeology. King David lived there. Jesus lived there. It was the Jewish homeland. So all the Balfour Declaration did was recognize that uh, the Jews... Um, had a right to have a homeland. So did the Arabs. And so the Balfour Declaration didn't deny the Arabs the right to have a homeland too. It said that the Jews have a right to a homeland and the homeland that was contemplated was tiny. And if the Arabs had only accepted the uh, UN resolution of 1947 and the UN 1948, uh, Israel would have a sliver of land along the Mediterranean coast and an internationalized Jerusalem and Bethlehem. But instead, all the Arab armies attacked uh, Israel and Israel gained more land defending itself. So no, the Balfour Declaration was a great document. And I have a copy of it somewhere in this office. Um, and um, I also have a copy of Israel's Declaration of Independence. 
an early copy sitting next to my copy of the American um, uh, Declaration of Independence. Or here's one that's, again, fairly typical. Jews, it seems, are forever victims. They should self-reflect. In other words, if you're raped, you should ask yourself, you know, was it really my fault? If I was murdered on the way to the hospital, I should reflect and say, you know, maybe it was my fault. If I was shot up in a gay bar, maybe I should look in the mirror and say, you know, if I only wasn't gay. No, 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 no. Jews have been victims. That's not our problem. That's your problem. You victimized us. And the writer of this letter is guilty as well. They should self-reflect because you're victims. That's what a lot of the people did after the October 7th. Oh, look, all these people were raped and beheaded and murdered. Must be your fault. Look inward and see what you've done wrong. Yeah, the Holocaust was the fault of the Jews. That's what the implication of your bigoted letter is. Okay. And you have a prosecution complex. Well, just because you might have a persecution complex doesn't mean they're not after you. Uh, if you're a Jew today in America, if you're a Jew today at Cornell University, at Harvard University, you better damn well have a persecution complex. And you better look hard at who is persecuting you. Is it the kid sitting next to you in class? Is it your teacher? Is it your friend? You have to be very, very careful and ask yourself the question, am I protected? Am I sufficiently protected? School owes you an obligation to protect you, not from ideas, which is what the woke people want to protect you from, but from the kind of physical violence that was threatened at Cornell University and other places. Fortunately, somebody was arrested for that. Okay, last question, really statement. Revealing someone's name is not doxing. More detailed info about an individual potentially would be. Well, it depends on what the information is. If it's about their political views, no. If it's about their secrets, about their sexual orientation, it's about uh, where they live and, um, you know, things of that kind, that could be doxing. But uh, naming a person and, and going back and explaining that uh, uh, they uh, have long been uh, anti-Semitic, have a history of bigotry, that's not doxing. That's transparency. And that's what we want under the First Amendment, transparency and the marketplace of ideas. Uh, see you tomorrow. Maybe we'll have better news tomorrow. One of these days, maybe we'll have better news. Whether it's good news or bad news, you can count on the Dirt Show to give it to you straight. See you tomorrow. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.